started this on Wednesday night, and I, I kind of um, <laughs> went through um, a lot of a lot of slides that um, some of which I had done before. I guess what struck me so poignantly about uh, these slides and then seeing some of these young people and I know they had a graduation ceremony this afternoon and Brother Shane uh, gave his niece a diploma and yet here he is in the house of the Lord and his girls and uh, I know uh, <coughs> there are others that are graduated and are graduating and and we've had we had a party yesterday, and we've got uh, all kinds of um, situations going that uh, our graduates, and there are more um, uh, parties coming, et cetera, et cetera. And yet here we are, and doing our best, hopefully, to teach the next generation about the importance of the house of the Lord, the importance of, uh, you know, the importance of the church, uh, the importance of uh, what the Lord is doing. And I uh, uh, will put those up at the end. Let's go first to my slides and then we'll, uh, I'll read these last verses in Exodus because we're, we're in kind of Exodus, the um, uh, uh, fifth chapter and we've been uh, the fifth chapter going into the sixth chapter let's see go forward if you would uh, click it all the way to slide 27 if you did would for me and we've talked about um, this sense of them extricating themselves from Egypt being delivered and it does not escape my attention that the children of Israel went to Egypt <clears throat> on horses and carts ordered by Pharaoh. They went there as <clears throat> important guests of the king of Egypt. You remember Joseph and he sent up uh, carts, moving vans, moved them down into Egypt, and they were <coughs> the elite. <coughs> they were allowed to pitch their tents in Goshen, was some of the most fertile. They allowed them to be there. They allowed them to have access to the best, if you will, the very best of the land of Egypt. And yet, <coughs> uh, few hundred years later, they are enslaved by the Egyptians, and they are now being made to make bricks. Amazing, that transition, and yet it shouldn't surprise us because we know what happened with Lot. The Bible says Lot, back with Abraham, pitched his tent toward Sodom, and it wasn't long until he was embracing the culture of the time, and I appreciate all of our young folks that are 
recognizing there is a culture that is here, there is a culture of the world that will do its best to enslave you and entrap you and and to make you serve it. At some point, though, the Lord has deliverance and freedom, and you can have freedom and deliverance through the power of Almighty God. But it requires you serving him. He does not want to deliver you just simply to be free and serve yourself. Then you're your own tax master, task master, if you will. And you are, you are, you know, it's the, the saying that they have about, you know, an attorney that represents himself is a fool. Uh, has a fool for an attorney. Uh, I'm sure the doctor that operates on himself is a fool for a doctor. You know, why? Because you cannot serve yourself without at some point being destroyed by your own ideas and heart and emotions. And so Exodus, the sixth chapter, they were overwhelmed and we read it this morning and and they basically said to Moses and to the elders, you know, uh, please, uh, whatever you do, uh, you know, you, you, you gotta, it, it's too hard and, and all of this is, it will never get deliverance. And the Lord's response that he gave the children of Israel is powerful. It's found in Exodus the sixth chapter, starting at the seventh verse. I will take you for you to me for a people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, which brings you out of the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in. I want to tell you something. When you belong to the Lord, he takes all this personal. He takes it personal what you're going through. You read in the New Testament when Saul at that time was on his way to Damascus and the bright light knocked him off his animal. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And what did he say? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Why? Paul, Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus was gone. But the fact that you were persecuting the church, those are mine, and I take it personal. I want you to know that's why when we talk about how with this personal relationship with Almighty God, how important that is, is because I want the Lord to take it personal what I'm going through, and when I have a need, and when I have something that I come to the throne of grace, I don't want him to be like, who are you, you know? Like he did with some, you know, the devils, you remember, that they tried to cast out in the New Testament? And he said, I adjure you by the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And they whipped the guy and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I sure don't know you. Oh, I want the enemy to know. I want God to know. I want everybody to know who I belong to. And I guess that brings up the next question. If, if you were going to be convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about it. <laughs> you know, if I talk and act and speak and do what everybody else does, and I live like everybody else lives, you know, am I 
Anyway, that's a whole nother thought. But here was the Lord. He said, I will give it. I, I am the Lord. Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they could not listen to Moses. Why? For two reasons. Once the anguish of spirit, when you allow things to get into your emotions, <laughs> it blocks remembering who you belong to. It blocks remembering what this is all about. When you're emotional, and you say, well, that's why, that, why do you think we get emotional? Why do we worship? Why do we pray? Why do we raise our hands? Why do we allow emotions to flow through us? It's because we are trying to get them cleansed because we know how important love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, good, all the fruit of the Spirit is to us being a strong, apostolic, Christian, born-again, blood-bought, and if the Lord can keep you emotionally in knots, <laughs> the Lord, L, little L-O-R-D, he has kept you from worshiping the capital L-O-R-D, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, you know, they were going through this cruel bondage. They couldn't respond. So basically the Lord spoke to Moses, said, go in, speak unto the king of Egypt, and let the children of Israel go. So what, what's amazing is how, you know, and I put here, the early church was known as those who turned the world upside down. What, what was it about them that they were turning the world upside down about? Because they were preaching deliverance. They were preaching new ownership. They were preaching true freedom to people. They had slavery back then. They had addictions back then. They had all kinds of sin back then. But the early church came preaching, guess what? You can be set free free by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can have a new life. You don't have to live like everybody else is living, but you can live on the glory side. You can have a song in your heart when no one else has one. Amen. And I, I, I understand and I know and I, I read and I put here on your paper and it's a whole study. It's only three chapters and I really I, I know it's, this isn't the only story. The Elisha story is another one that goes that mirrors this and the Elijah story and the Habakkuk story which happens five or six hundred years before Christ. And we all know the Habakkuk story but, but basically he was talking about the Chaldeans that were going to come down and prophesied and they were going to, and if you've never read Habakkuk, it's a minor prophet, it's a little, doesn't mean it's, it's not an important book but it is a small little book toward the end of the Old Testament and, and by the name of Habakkuk who was the author and, and it's an amazing discourse with God. It's one of the few prophets that begins to ask why, what am I go why are we going through all this? What's going to happen? And in the first couple of chapters, it's only three chapters. It's not a long, long book, but you, if you haven't read it, you need to go back and read it. Basically, uh, he, he starts off going, oh God, how long, oh God, how long, oh, how, you know, why do you show us grieving? Why do you show us iniquity? Why are things, oh? and he 
he's asking, oh God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. I'm, I'm lost. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And then it's like the Lord has told him the Chaldeans are going to come and he knows who the Chaldeans are, the Assyrians. And he's like, oh my Lord, you're going to let them conquer us? Now are you totally I know we're bad, but we're not nearly as bad as they are. And he goes through that. You say, I'll raise up the Chaldeans. And, 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 and just, you can read it in the message or the Amplified. And, and, and it's, it's, a, it's an amazing study. And, and then he finally, you know, says... He culminates it in this first chapter by saying, Oh Lord, is your plan to wipe us all out? They're worse than we are. And they're much worse than we are. And here we are. And you've made us like fish of the sea that get hooked in a net. And you're, you're going to put us like fish on a stringer and they're going to laugh at us. Now that's a pretty amazing image, isn't it? I don't know if any of you like to fish, but imagine, you know, you catch fish, you put it on a hook, stringer, and hold it up, and, you know, the idea is that you hold it out in front of you like this so it looks bigger. <laughs> when you take the picture, you know, you catch a little tiny fish, but you hold it here, and then it looks bigger in the camera. And you go, wow, look at the fish I caught. And that's part of, you know, even catch and release or whatever. You know, it's the photos, that's what's the amazing thing, is to get the picture. And Habakkuk said, you, we're, we're going to be, it's, it's horrible. They're going to laugh. You're going to, you know, you're letting them get away with stuff. And then the second chapter happens. Like the story of Job that I mentioned this morning. The second chapter of Habakkuk is God answering Habakkuk. And the Lord was very clear. And I see Siobhan's here taking notes and maybe some of these other young ladies. But what the Lord said was, write this down, because this is important. Habakkuk, write it down. You better get this on paper. Make it plain that you may, anybody knows that may read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because will surely come, it will not tarry. You know who quoted some of those words? Jesus in the New Testament. Surely I'll come again, will not tarry. Okay? Now what are you talking about? I, I want you to understand. He said, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. These were the words that were found in Romans that Luther wrote when he made the proclamation to start what was later be known as the protest or the Protestant movement out of the Catholic Church. The just shall live by faith. Why? It's written in context by a man who in the Lord says, I want you to know I am not late. 
I am not an hour late. I'm not a minute late. I'm not a second late. I'm on time. When I say it's over, it's going to be over. And I'm here to tell you that there is no late from God. When you wonder where was God? And although, you know, we have the story where two sisters go, Lord, if you would have been here. And what did Jesus say? Guess what? I'm not late. He's going to live. I know the end of this. And so when you are feeling like, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand why it's taking so long. I don't understand why I'm going through it. I don't understand what's going on. Just know that because I know who and whom I have believed, he is not late. He is always on time. He will not. The wicked, the only person a wicked can trust in is themselves. It's I. It's me. We are owned by the Lord. We trust in him. Yeah, but the doctor said, but you know what? The great physician. Yeah, but the... And the last phrase, the just shall live by faith. Faith in whom? The faithful God. When you believe in a faithful God that knows where you are, knows what you're going through, knows every hair on your head, then you keep the faith not in yourself, not in the doctor, not in the butcher, the baker, or the candlestick maker, but my faith is in Almighty God. He knows where I am and he knows what I'm going through. Habakkuk was listening to the Lord and you read finally in the third chapter it starts and he said, I, I heard your speech, O Lord, and I was afraid. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. You can read the whole chapter. 16th verse. When I heard my belly tremble, my lips quivered, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled in myself. Then know what the next verse says? The last couple of verses, he gets it. He says it like this. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. The fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice. Hallelujah. I don't have a dime. Hallelujah. There's no fruit on the tree. That's not what I'm rejoicing about. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And I'll walk on high places. I'm here to tell you, you've got to be able to rejoice because you belong to him. 
But I remember, I know, I understand. Recession is coming. Inflation's still here. Debt ceiling. Republicans still hate the Democrats. Democrats still hate the Republicans. I know there's always something going on. But let me tell you, God still has a plan. And I appreciate, I, I appreciate, you know, it can be overwhelming, it can be mind-blowing, but the just shall live by faith. Why? I'm going to keep rejoicing, keep praising, keep trusting, keep believing that no matter what I'm going through, one of these days, we're going to walk out of here like the children of Israel. This world is not my home. <laughs> I'm just sojourning here. And, and I, I quoted it this morning about he let them out. Uh, go ahead now, put up, start, start with that Exodus, the 13th chapter, because uh, here it is, 17th verse. And it came to pass when Pharaoh finally let the people go that God didn't lead them through the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. Because he said, I don't want them to repent. In other words, turn and run back when they see war. He said, I realize they're not ready to fight. They were crying before I even gave them the, all of the plagues. They were upset then. He said, I don't, I, but, go ahead, next verse. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. You know what that word harnessed means? In army file, like soldiers, ranks, five across, ten across, that's how they marched out, like an army. They weren't an army. But God let them look like an army. And they marched up out of the land of Egypt. And they were loaded with gold and silver. Yeah. You know the old saying, you can't take it with you. Well, it depends on what you want to take with you. <laughs> One man had a big chest, and you know what he had in it? He didn't have a bunch of gold and silver. In fact, the New Testament said he rejected the gold and silver of Egypt. But one thing he had, I remember a patriarch that died 400 years ago who said when you all leave Egypt I know our thing is growing apostolic legacy I know we've been here over a hundred years there have been some patriarchs that have said I want this place to be a house of prayer 
And it's going to be the next generation or the next or the next that says we still are believing the Lord's fixing to come again. And we're going to walk out of here harnessed together. This world is not our home. It's not about how much gold and silver I get out. But Lord, I want you to know I'm ready to take a trip in the good old gospel ship. I'm going to a land far away. I don't, I want you to understand I am not here. I'm not here doing this because I want to have the best club in Newark. I'm here to tell you two seconds after the rapture you can have this building. You can have my house. My keys are usually in my, right outside of my bedroom door, hanging on the wall. You can have my car. One second of, you know why? It's not about what I have here. One of these days I'm getting out of here. And Moses believed it so much. He said, I don't want any gold, I don't want any silver. But give me those bones. That guy that said, I want to get out of here, he's coming with me. Oh, hallelujah. If I'm dead and gone, you know what? You say as you get ready to go through my stuff one minute after the rapture, well, you know what? I imagine he's walking on a street of gold right now because this world wasn't his home. You say, well, you gotta know I, I gotta have a good job and I gotta have a this and I gotta have a that and I gotta have a I wanna go out of here delivered. Huh? My deliverance day is coming. Let's stand. Huh?